we're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kender Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Hey, Thomas Farcioni from up in Wisconsin is on the show today. Have you heard of him? Have you heard of his fish? A six-pound, four-ounce red ear sunfish. <laughs> you heard me right. It's just been certified by the IGFA as the new world record. You've probably seen this fish on social media earlier this year, and he's going to talk to us about it on the show today. I'm Billy Kinder. Welcome to our campfire here at Kinder Outdoors. Front door to the camp house is brought to you by my friends at Calming Care. Calming Care settles that dog that, well, he just kind of flips out during a thunderstorm or when company comes over gets a little too excited. It very gently and safely settles the overactive dog. Learn more about Calming Care when you come see me at kinderoutdoors.com. If you've been perusing social media and you saw that graphic that said, Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fish, no vaccine, no hunting, delete it if you can. It's false news. You know, if it's on the Internet, especially on social media, always follow what you read with a question mark. Question it. It is not required to have proof of a COVID-19 vaccination to get a Louisiana hunting license this fall. Fake news. Ignore it. Delete it if possible. The Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fish is investigating the source of that graphic. They're going to track it down. They're also going to track down a little limb bacon, squirrels, and they want to take you with them. The Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries holding a squirrel hunting seminar in Baton Rouge on September 18th. Squirrel Hunting 101 at the Waddell Wildlife Refuge, 8 a.m. till noon. It's free. Proper equipment needed, firearm selection, rules, regulations, outdoor navigation, hunting opportunities. They'll cover all of that. September 1st is coming, and that means doves for lots and lots of folks. I'm one of them. But how about that historic freeze back in February? Is that going to affect our dove numbers this year? Owen Fitzsimmons is the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department Dove Program Leader, and Owen says that our spring dove surveys in the state suggest that there may have been some impact from the winter storm, particularly in the northern half of the state. But it's difficult to know the extent since dove populations naturally fluctuate a lot from year to year. In the north zone, where white wing estimates are below average overall numbers, there's been good rain, spring and summer, and that's resulted in good production. And that should offset any losses. Get ready. It's going to be another good dove season. We estimate here in Texas that our populations are about 25 million morning doves, 12 million white-wing doves. Surely we can scratch down six or eight for dove kebabs, huh? Hey, September 1st also means... Blue grouse or mountain grouse up in Montana. Boy, they're good to eat. The best of all the grouse species. Hungarian partridge, pretty darn good, too. They open up September 1st in Montana, as do sage grouse and sharp tails. Pheasants, general season, will open October 9. Prairie chickens, they open up September 1st in Nebraska. Hey, there's that old prairie chicken right there. Bruce Aiken is stepping down. We just had him on the show a couple of times recently. 
After 10 years serving as the CEO of Bass, Bruce Aiken is going to retire on September 30th. Bass Chairman Chase Anderson will be assuming responsibility for the organization's day-to-day operations and serve as CEO. Under Bruce's leadership, Bass has set records for attendance at both the Bassmaster Classic and the Elite Series events, introduced junior, high school, and kayak tournament trails. He revived the Redfish Cup Championship and recorded growth in almost every facet of its business, including membership, viewership, readership, and digital engagement with record-breaking engagement on Bassmaster.com and Bassmaster Social Media so far in 2021. Bruce had originally planned to retire last year, but stayed on to guide the organization through the pandemic, ensuring that the Bassmaster Elite Series completed its full schedule. He's done a whale of a job. We'll try to get him back on air with us soon and talk about some of his favorite memories from his tenure at Bass. Bruce Aiken, retiring. If you have a dog, I don't care if it's a little puppy or a senior citizen, you really need to keep Fortiflora in your refrigerator. Fortiflora is America's number one canine probiotic, and they love it. They lap it up. Just sprinkle a packet in a bowl by itself, and they'll lap it up. Sprinkle it on their food, safe enough to use every day. Fortiflora. <laughs> hey, congratulations to the Adrian College bass fishing team of Griffin Fernandez and Hayden Scott. They held the trophies over their head, and they were crowned Bassmaster College Series National Champions up on the St. Lawrence River the other day after a three-day total of 63 pounds, 10 ounces. And the Auburn University team of Logan Parks and Tucker Smith officially named the 2021 Bassmaster Collegiate Team of the Year. All he does is catch giants. I'm talking about Mike Iconelli and Mike did it from a kayak recently. He's been trying to win a kayak tournament for three years. Did you know that? Ike's been fishing kayak trails for three years now. We'll talk to him about it a little later on today. You know what? We smell like fish, and we're proud of it. I'm Mike Iaganelli, and this is Kinder Outdoors. It's time to get doves and ducks on your mind. And, hey, deer season is just around the corner. Ramp it up this year with help from Marksman Firearms in Mansfield, Killeen, Wichita Falls, and Granbury. Rifles, pistols, shotguns, ammo, and accessories. Marksman makes it easy, too, with same-as-cash 90-day layaway. Military and first responders enjoy a 10% discount. New to shooting? No problem. Marksman Firearms has knowledgeable pros that love to help. Make your mark at Marksman. MarksmanFirearms.com The granddaddy of all hunting shows, The Hunter's Extravaganza, returns to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. Bring the kids and see Gator Country's huge alligators and last season's bucks in our annual deer contest. Check out the latest in hunting gadgets and gear and enter our locked and loaded mega giveaway to win big. The Hunter's Extravaganza, coming this summer to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. For details and tickets, go to Hunter'sExtravaganza.com. Texas Trophy Hunters Production. The Quail Coalition, the backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets 
goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas, Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun, or listened from the porch to the summer song of the Bob White, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org Way out in West Texas on Highway 287, about 40 miles east of Amarillo, is one of the coolest roadside stops that you'll find. Right there on the south side of the highway sits the Buffalo Gold Herdware Store. Buffalo Gold features wonderful western art, one-of-a-kind jewelry, and all things buffalo. Belts, boots, and bison leather products of all kinds. Our buffalo wool socks, gloves, hats, beanies, and more will keep you warm like never before during the coldest winters. And that road trip will feel better, too, with a soft and cozy buffalo down knit throw or lap robe. Unique and beautiful Damascus steel kitchen knives. Vintage Navajo sterling and turquoise jewelry. A huge selection of bison moccasins, shoes, and boots for hunting, working, or just looking great. Stop in and see us at the Buffalo Gold Herdware Store. Yes, we do have our own herd. 40 miles east of Amarillo near Goodnight, Texas. BuffaloGold.net Somewhere over this horizon sit a million little dictators eager to purge humanity of its hunting instincts. Contrived emotions flood from their air-conditioned, glass-paneled, Wi-Fi-enabled habitats over the mountains and out into the wild from which they hate to admit they emerged. Their foolish quest to force nature to fit their feelings threatens the survival of every living thing on our planet. If their fevered tantrums are ever imposed, the Earth will be ruled by the deadliest combination in the natural world, human ignorance and human arrogance. Travel another path, the truest path, nature's path. Trust the hunter in your blood. coming when we heard your truck rattle across that old cattle guard. Welcome to our camp at Kinder Outdoors. I'm Billy Kinder. This is Kinder Outdoors. Anything you hear on the show uh, and would like to know more about, come see me at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R, and we'll have the info there for you, kinderoutdoors.com. Let's jump on that Kinder Outdoors trot line now and take a little trip down to the beautiful Texas Hill Country, home to my friend Mr. Whitetail himself, Larry Wysoon. It is always a pleasure to have you with us, Larry, and welcome back. And it's hard to believe, but you look at the calendar, and not only is it already August, but August is two-thirds gone. 
I know. I tell you what, August seems to come around so much quicker as do the hunting season, but that's the good part of it. I mean, my, my time of year is the fall, and I know a lot of the listeners out there kind of feel the same way. They love the fall and winter time. Of course, you know, the rest of the seasons too with, with spring turkey, spring bear, and, and all the fishing that goes on, but there's just something very special with, with August being here. You know, you feel those, a little bit of tinge, a little change in the air in the mornings and late in the evenings, and, uh, Gosh, that's exciting. Bow season's opening up for elk in August, and uh, that's what I want to talk about is elk hunting with you today and those early season tactics. Uh, you know, you're, you're liable to catch an old bull that's not grouped up yet. It's a good time to go, isn't it? it you know, it really is. About time that, uh, I mean, they, they're, they're elk are kind of interesting right now. They may be a little bit tougher to hunt as they will be uh, compared to, you know, a month from now or maybe even three, four weeks from now. But uh, having spent time in the mountains this time of year, I have heard an occasional bugle. And uh, But I've also spent a lot of time during that time, uh, this time of the year, kind of in a pre-scout kind of situation more so since uh, I, I normally didn't get to hunt them until a bit later. But spending a lot of time sitting up, glassing, finding out exactly where they're they're eating, where they're traveling, where the bulls are. Some of the bulls may still be together a little bit early on, and then they'll start breaking up here very, very quickly. Kind of like white-tailed deer do in, in uh, uh, a situation with, with, with bachelor herds. So right now is kind of an exciting, exciting time, but right now is a really good time to spend a lot of time sitting, glassing, and learning as much as you can from, uh, you know, where you find tracks, where you visit with, with uh, if you're hunting forest service land, talking to the local forest service guys, all those kind of things are the thing to really be doing right now. August is uh, hot, and it doesn't matter if you're in the mountains <laughs> or where you are. It's, it's hot. Uh, you don't believe it, me, it just is. start climbing. <laughs> just start climbing. You'll find out real quick. <laughs> you want to know You're where right. the water holes are, don't you? That's just exactly where I was headed with all that. I, I'll, I used to set up where I could watch a series of water holes. It's, it's this time of year. It, it's especially interesting, too, because a lot of times not only are you going to get to see elk, you're going to get to see mule deer, you're going to get to see black bear, and no telling what else shows up at those water holes. But you're right. Water is, is at a premium in so many different places, uh, in, including in a lot of the elk country. And so if you can find some water holes to kind of set up and, and start watching, and, and maybe even if, it, if it's the situation where you're going to be able to hunt that area for bows, in the, you know, maybe set up a little ground blind to get those animals used to that situation right now as well, too. You bet. Uh, for those guys that are going to take their bows uh, out and, and chase elk in August, and even those early season rifle hunters, um, you want to, uh, to, like you said before, do your homework. Make sure you know where these, these bulls are traveling and what they're doing every day, what their routine is. What about calling, Larry? How aggressive are you going to be with your calling? I know when I enter the turkey woods, I call very lightly <laughs> to start things off because I don't want to blow them out of there. And then I can you build bet. up from that. And, and, and exactly that's what we used to do. I mean, I, I, I got introduced by, to elk calling by Jim Zumbo years and years ago, an old dear friend of ours. And, uh, you know, that was one thing that Jim taught me. He said, you know, there's time to be aggressive and there's time to be kind of, kind of, oh, not, not quite so aggressive. And to me, that's kind of what it is right now. What I do is, is I'll go out and I'll take a, a bugle and I may bugle and see if there's a response to it. Just to kind of as, as almost like a locator call. And, uh, 
then try to get into those situations, trying to figure out where those elk are headed, particularly if there's feeding areas like certain meadows that they head to. There may be a little bottleneck that you can set up on. Or, again, water holes are so important throughout so much of the western part of the country where you find elk. And, uh, you know, if you can find that water, they're going to come to water a little bit here. I really kind of expect these bulls to start making wallows as well, too. So, I mean, find those spots like that. You can usually find the old wallows. A lot of times, if they were there last year, you know, there are going to be some elk that show up there again this year. So, uh, pre-scouting and then call very lightly, you know, to begin with. Uh, two, they're, they're not really looking for cows yet, but they will be very shortly. And years ago, you could do a lot with a bugle call. But these days, I think it's much more important if you're going to hunt elk to spend time uh, learning how to cow call real well. Because a lot of these bulls have heard bugles off and on for a long time, particularly the older bulls, and, and they may be a little bit uh, less responsive to those. Yeah, a little call shy like an old-time turkey can get, for sure. Or a coyote, yes, that's a like perfect an, example. Exactly, same thing. I mean, same thing has kind of occurred in some of those areas. You know, younger bulls are always going to respond better to the calls anyway, uh, in terms particularly of beagles because they're youngsters and they're kind of full of themselves. So, uh you know, and I think one of the big things to this time of the year is, is to is to approach the woods knowing exactly, if you're hunting with a bow, know exactly what you can do with that bow and what your limitations are in terms of range. And spend a lot of time, too, having looked at uh, anatomy of a bull so that when you do get a chance at a shot, it may not be a, a perfect broadside, you know, find out, figure out whether or not that shot is a, is a doable shot that's presented or one that you have to pass on. Same thing if you were using a rifle. Yep, same exact thing. That's right. Hey, how sensitive are you to bedding areas when hunting elk? Is that something you want to totally avoid, or is that a really good place to go check? Are you afraid to go in that area or no? <laughs> you know, I've, I've gone into some of those areas. Uh, usually I try to stay on the periphery of them if I can, but I have gone in some of those areas to learn as much as what I could about you know, where they're bidding and, and, and seeing what they're bidding in as well, too, and, and seeing if there's a way then that I can approach. And usually I try to do that during the time when I don't think the elk are going to be in there. Uh, again, it becomes, uh, they've got such great noses, they've got great eyes, they've got great ears. And so to me, you can blow an elk out of an area if you put a little bit too much pressure on the bidding areas. But get fairly close, spend time with a good spot and scope or binocular and, and glass those ears. And then if you know that the elk are not in there, then go in and see where they come in, where they go out, you know, and I'll learn as much as you can about it. Education is our friend. That's good. So uh, to those white tail hunters down there in that Florida heat that are kicking it off today, uh, any any early season advice for them, Larry? <laughs> Drink plenty <laughs> of water. Drink <laughs> lots of water. Make sure that a rigged rifle is sighted in with the ammo and, and uh, you know, or uh, your bow is properly sighted in. And like I say, drink plenty of water. And it, I got a feeling for the most part with the heat that they're dealing with, uh, hunt early, hunt late. But don't overlook the middle part of the day. Look, look at the feeding activity charts that are available. And if those deer are not pressured, if it says it's a peak feeding time at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, pretty good chance those deer are going to be up and about. So, I pay attention to those feeding charts, particularly early and real late in the season. Larry, always a pleasure and an education when I visit with you. I greatly appreciate you. Billy, same way here. Thank you so very much. Wish everybody the very best of luck.
couple of summers ago, I had a great opportunity to spend quite a bit of time over the course of about seven days in the Cibola National Forest just outside of Grants, New Mexico. You pass through, if you blink, you'll miss it, but you pass through Grants, headed west on I-40 before you get to Gallup. Late summer is an active time in elk country. They're on the move. Those antlers are finishing up, some in velvet, some shedding velvet. was one of God's great blessings. Those blessings that we only receive in the woods or on the water. Hey, let's grab a fresh cup of coffee. I'll meet you right back here. This is Kinder Outdoors. Hi, everybody. It's World Championship caller Al Morris. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. fishing like I do. Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to invite you and your family to the Crappie Expo in Shreveport, Bossier City, October 123. The Crappie Expo is for crappie fanatics like you. There will be over 100 crappie fishing exhibitors selling today's top crappie fishing products. Red River Shootout, top 100 crappie teams competing for $250,000 in the Mr. Crappie Invitational Tournament. Free, the world's largest crappie fry will be held Saturday, October the 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Fried crappie, french fried taters, and hush puppies. Mm-hmm. Giving away $10,000 on Saturday and Sunday. Must be present to win. Cash is king. Crappie Expo 2021 is brought to you by Ford Trucks. Lose, Strike King, Riceland Rice Brand Oil, Humminbird, The Boat Shop, and Bayou Outdoors Superstore. It's really exciting to see right now. Uh, one thing that's great about archery is anybody can do it. Men, women, or children, everybody can do this. Um, our lessons right now are fantastic. We see entire family groups come in, have a great time, and they're finding out that this is something that is a great pastime, great sport, and everybody can be successful in. Americans are learning what a huge benefit it is to learn to hunt, learn to fish, learn to put safe and wholesome food on our tables. Cinnamon Creek Archery in Roanoke, Texas, has taught many thousands of families about the great sport of archery. People who thought they could just never do that now enjoy the range and harvesting their own wild game. You can't just sell somebody a bow and say, hey, good luck. You need to be able to take them aside, teach them the fundamentals, teach them how to shoot correctly so that they can be as successful as possible and really enjoy our sport. Visit CinnamonCreekRanch.com and discover the great knowledge and satisfaction that so many other families have found in archery. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. 
CanyonValleyProvisions.com. Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted in just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey, that's phony. This is, this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read the tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt easily six, seven, eight groups. And we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit joshuacreek.com. warm campfire is always the gathering spot, no matter the weather. Tall tales and life's tough spots get worked out here. This is Kinder Outdoors. Hey, it doesn't matter if you hunt squirrels or if you chase pheasants in South Dakota, elk in the mountains, quail in West Texas. No matter what you do on land outside, there is a possibility that you or your dog will get skunked, sprayed. I've been there many times, and it's not fun. Well, Tom Dockin up in Minnesota came up with a remedy years ago that absolutely works, absolutely works. We're going to share that remedy for the next time you get skunked coming up in just a few minutes right here at Kinder Outdoors. Just a heads up so you can get that number two pencil and that big chief tablet ready to go. Hey, coming up on Friday, August 27th, that's this coming Friday, no matter where you are, you can participate in the DSC New Mexico chapter online auction and fundraiser. They've got a great lineup of hunts, gear, artwork, firearms, raising critical funds to support conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. I've got more info for you at kinderoutdoors.com. The auction is this coming Friday night, August 27th. 
Hey, are you a fan of Hook and Look TV? I love that show. Kim Stricker uh, shows us some incredible underwater footage and helps us better understand what our fish are doing when we're up there trying to outsmart them on top of the water. <laughs> My buddy, Mr. Crappie Wally Marshall, went fishing with Kim a few years ago. Wally uh, was the feature of one of Kim's crappie fishing shows. They were in Oklahoma, and it was scorching hot summertime. I talked to Wally about it and received quite an education. You might, too. No, and what the deal was, Billy, because on these brush piles that we were fishing, the folks need to know that it was 102 degrees. Right. 89-degree water temperature, and the, there was no puff of wind. It was slick. Yeah. I mean, it was absolutely slick. Every now and then, we'd get a little crappie chop, what I call crappie chop, a little wave action, but not much. This was in August, dog days of the summer. And so what we were doing, we're taking a big bait. We didn't have no scent on it. We didn't have no live bait. And we're actually finessing those fish to bite. Yeah. And you can catch, pull up to a pile, catch four or five, done. Or catch one, done. Yeah. You know, and you would look on your depth finder and you would see the brush pile, but you wouldn't see many fish. But then when you put that camera down there, the fish were down in the brush. So we were actually having to get right down in the brush piles to get those fish out of there. We learned a lot about it. Uh, Kim uh, pointed out on the show that crappie uh, can smell, and you could actually see those fish come up and put the top of their, their nose, put the top of their snoot uh, right underneath that bait and take a sniff of it and back off. Uh, they would come up and uh, maybe just taste it real quick. They wouldn't take it in their mouth. they just taste it they real just quick barely and back pull off. On it. They just barely pull on it, and you can't feel that. Yeah. At 25-foot deep with monofilament line or braided, you're still not going to feel that fish pull it to the side like they were doing on that show. Yeah. And so it does help to put some kind of sin on it to where they can actually grab it and hold on to it. I've seen it so many times. Yeah, that made a believer out of me with your bait. It's called the scissor shad, and it's actually it's got a pair of legs, a lot of movement. It's a longer bait, and it's got a hollow body, so I can insert a rattle, uh, which I like that idea on real stained or muddy water. Uh, and also, I can energize, I can insert some scent in there. Oh yeah, that's that's the reason I built that bait because there's none out on the market where you can actually put a power bait in there or shoot some sin up inside there, some of that gel or whatever. But, hey, man, I ain't never used any scent. But, you know, after watching that show, it makes sense. It does make sense. A lot of times when those crappies shut off, uh, they're still there. They've just, the barometric pressure has changed just a hair something, uh, and, the, and the word went out, we're not going to bite anymore. It was phenomenal how many fish would come up and look at that bait and not bite, even after they've been biting decent. And it's funny because we actually caught two limits of fish that day, and it's 37 crappie per man. Right. And so we had over 70 fish during the show, but they were we covered a lot of brush piles, went a lot of places, but I'm telling you, you can go up there and catch four or five, and that's about it, sometimes one, but I'm telling you, the big ones bite first. Yeah. That's another thing I learned about the show. 
the big ones bite first. They're going to come up and get their fill, and there's a pecking order down there. Oh, it, it looked like it, you know, because there were some small fish. At one time, there were eight or nine fish around my bait, and they wouldn't attack it. They wouldn't come to it. And it looked like two of them were sparring one time. They was both coming at it at the same time, and they both cut away. So there is some kind of pecking order in the crappie world. I want you to get together with Kim Stricker again, and this time I want you to add some scent to that scissor shad. Now, I just went, literally, I just went and bought, uh, bought a load because I don't, I've never seen another bait. You said there's not one out there where I can actually insert scent or a rattle uh, for times when they shut off like that to try and trigger them again. There's nothing like it on the market, so check out the scissor shad by Strike King and Mr. Crappie. This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute, a focus on people that make a difference. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled, but we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids, and in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not into school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of Outdoor Adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics, and they smile while learning. If you want Outdoor Adventures in your local school, contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at KinderOutdoors.com. If you're an outdoors man or woman, you need this skunk stink recipe. <laughs> it comes from my friend Tom Dockin up in Minnesota. Hey, Bill, I got a quick one for you, boys. This is a great uh, little tip I learned this years ago. Uh, have you ever been skunked, as in smelling, like a skunk? Uh, I know it's happened to me on many occasions, and I'm sure I'm not over that. Some dogs just can't avoid, just can't leave those skunks alone. I'm going to give you a little formula to get your dog smelling good again. Back in the day, uh, a lot of people said, well, let's just use tomato juice. Well, my experience with that is you just had a dog that smelled like skunk and tomato juice. So here's a little formula. You want to get two gallons of water, and you take one gallon, and you rinse off the area where your dog has been sprayed. A lot of cases, it's going to be in the head or the chest area as they're checking that skunk out. Rinse that down really good. Now, to the other gallon of water, I want you to add one quart of hydrogen peroxide, a quarter cup of baking soda, and then a squirt of dishwashing soap. Now shake that up really good. Work that into your dog's fur really well. Lather that up. Now you're going to have to let your dog stand there with that on for about a 20 minute period. Let that really get a chance to work in. Now rinse all of that off. And uh, boy, that first, first time you do that, you're going to go, oh boy, that really is a, that really is a trick. Uh, if you have a little hint of skunk left, go ahead, just repeat the process one more time. But I got to tell you what, this is a lifesaver when you got to travel with that dog in your vehicle at the end of the day of a hunt. That's your dock and dog training tip of the day. 
If you'd like to find Dakin products, you can go to Dakin.com or a dealer near you. Thanks, Tom. Hey, if you need to hear that again, it's at KinderOutdoors.com. Hey, this is your blood brother, Ted Nugent. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, which is very seldom, I'm thinking about it or dreaming about it. With Kinder Outdoors, God bless America. Imagine a change in Hollywood's message. Imagine a big screen version of your life, telling your story as a God-fearing, red-blooded hunter. Manifesting your God-given right and skill to gather groceries in the woods and pray over them on the dinner table. Lots of folks seem to think this film is a great idea. This is Michael Waddell. I'm Toxie Hayes. Hey, this is your blood brother, Ted Nugent. And want to partner with you to build the first ever hunter-funded, God-glorifying movie centered around our hope, our heritage, our harvest. What this world needs is a hunter. You make this world a better place. Come on. TheHarvestMovie.com Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall. The Dead Rabbit Lodge. (laughs) You see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits. Therefore, the name, The Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Owyhee. The view from your giant Western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting in the world. You won't forget the dead rabbit. There has never in our American history been a more important time to stand up and stand strong in support of our crucial Second Amendment. This September, stand with us at the National Rifle Association in our 150th year at our annual meetings in Houston, Texas. Shop all of the major gun makers. Hear from strong patriots. Stand shoulder to shoulder with our founding fathers at the NRA annual meetings in Houston, September 3rd through the 5th. NRA.org. Since 2003, Bending Knee International has answered the call to take the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope of the gospel to the Navajo Nation and the people of Siberia. Many have never heard the simple but magnificent message that Christ is God, who loves us so much that he died for our sins, defeated death, and rose again. The simple message of salvation brings the gift of eternal life if we'll only believe it. I am Tom Watson, President of Bended Knee International. Learn more about Bended Knee at BendedKnee.org. Roy Holdridge and True Life Taxidermy in Granbury, Texas are award-winning artists many times over. And for several reasons. God-given talent is the starting point, followed by a work ethic that won't allow second best. Roy is also a lifelong and well-traveled hunter. He spent countless hours in the field glassing and studying wildlife around the globe. When you trust your rare and timeless memory to True Life Taxidermy Granberry, be assured that you're working with the very best in the business. 
My home is a testament to Roy's work at True Life Taxidermy. The pheasants, the whitetails, the axis, the fish, all perfectly preserved. True Life Granberry is the only stop you need to make after the hunt, offering not only world-class taxidermy, but wild game processing too. Headed for Africa, New Zealand, Colorado, Montana, or any place else? No problem. True Life is well-versed in import and transport state-to-state or around the globe. You can trust True Life Taxidermy. TrueLifeTaxidermy.org. been dropped off in a remote wilderness where the bears outnumber people 10 to 1 and the mosquitoes have been known to carry off full-grown moose lucky join us in camp and tell us about it at kinder outdoors hey welcome back to our campfire here at kinder outdoors let's jump on that kinder outdoors trot line now and take a little trip to wisconsin i want to talk to thomas sparcioni did i pronounce your name right thomas yeah sparcioni yep okay well hey welcome to the show it's sure good to have you thank you tell you what i'm sitting here looking at your picture with that giant lake havasu shell cracker and it's just amazing i've been looking at this picture for months thomas and and it just amazes me every time i look at it it's a jaw dropper isn't it yeah yeah it sure was yeah very lucky and fortunate <laughs> to catch that, yeah. Yeah, new world record. Congratulations, certified as the new uh, world record for a red ear. Thank you. Now, you live in Wisconsin, right? Correct. So do you do the ice a lot up there? You you fish a lot? Uh, yeah, not, yeah. I ice fish and, and summer fish, mostly bass tournaments in the summer. And so why were you at Lake Havasu? Was that vacation or were you there fishing well, a tournament? Well, we went to actually i went there for a month to fish those fish um two or three years ago six of us went for a half a day out there and and fished uh and we caught a few not a lot and our guide had a few issues uh blew up his boat and and uh so he had to borrow a boat and there was some activities going on the lake so the lake was really rough and we just thought, you know, that if we if somebody could ever bring a boat out here, we could target these things a little better and fish them a little better. So, so that's that's what I did. I loaded up my boat and last April after Easter and headed out there. And some of my friends came out during my stay there, and and we we just went fishing for those. And I guess I had a goal to catch a couple four pounders that I thought that boy that would be a cool mount you know and then I was lucky enough to catch that one so that one <laughs> also will be a real cool mount <laughs> yeah, yeah that, was, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty cool mount a world record six pounds 6.3 oh my word <laughs> so so you drove from Wisconsin to Lake Havasu uh, Havasu City Arizona Specifically yep. to fish for these big red ear sunfish or shell crackers, a lot of people call yep. them. Yep. Wow, that is phenomenal. Uh, that's been on my bucket list, Thomas, ever since Hector Brito caught that five eight uh, back in I guess twenty fourteen. That thing Correct. was big as a dish pan, and uh, I called and talked to him about that, and I thought, you know what, I don't, I don't think anyone's ever going to break that record. And then here comes Thomas Farcioni with a six pound shell cracker. That's wild. Yeah. 
Yeah, why are, us, big, uh, why are they so big, John or Thomas? Why do they get so big out there? You know, they uh, they eat uh, muscle out there that I found out. Now, trying to figure them out, I'm still in the middle of that. But uh, the, they eat quagga mussels. It's called up by us. Uh, we have a muscle here too. It's called a zebra muscle. I don't know down by you if you have any. Yeah, any yeah, we've got zebras. And we're, we're familiar with zebras and quaggas both. Yeah. Oh yeah, so that. They, uh, that's what they eat, and, and there's a lot of them, I guess, and uh, and uh, they eat a lot of them, and that's why they get so big. You're catching them off of uh, shell beds? You know, I don't know if there were shell beds there. You know, the, the guide told us that they spawn between the middle of April. The first group will come in, and then the second group will be first of May until the middle of May. But the, yeah, last year, the water was cold. They had a lot of cold nights, I guess, so it it needs to be like 75, I guess, before they actually come to spawn. But, I mean, the f- closest thing by us is called the bluegill, and and I kind of related them to them because they look exactly like them. And, but they're little – the way they do things is a little different than, than bluegill, so I'm still trying to figure out the – you know, what, what uh, when they spawn and where they're at before they spawn and, and everything, but uh, – the taxidermist had told me that in the back of their jaw they have a couple rocks that basically crush the shells and then they eat the inside of the, the muscle. Wow. And every day, you know, the live well would be full of clog of mussels or shells, I should say. No um, kidding, where they're spitting them up. Yep. Spitting them hey. up and I, I think they were ones they took the insides out of, yeah. Gee whiz. So. How how were you fishing for these things? Uh, you just, uh, how deep was your water? What were you using for bait? How heavy was your tackle? I mean, you kind of have to get ready for a six-pound red ear sunfish. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we had they were all deep yet, you know, and we never caught a lot in one area, which which was kind of surprising. Um, and some days you'd catch them off a, of, you know, it's like sagebrush down in the water. Stuff. I mean, they'd be on that, and then, and then the next five days you wouldn't catch any on it. You know, so it's so I'm still in the learning mode for those things. But it was twenty twenty plus feet to catch them, and wow. pretty much just use a spinning rod. And I had braided line with a ten uh, ten pound leader on, or six pound leader on it. Six pounds, four ounces, and we're gonna put. Uh the picture of Thomas and his giant world record red ear sunfish up on uh, kinderoutdoors.com so you guys can all go marvel at this. I'm I'm sure everyone in the fishing world has already seen it, but it's worth a look. Every day I look at your fish and, and just think about, dream about my trip to Lake Havasu. I don't know when it's going to be, Thomas, but I'm going. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, I didn't even, I had all my bass gear and stuff too, and, and they were doing good with those, but I was so intrigued with the, these fish that I pretty much didn't bass fish at all. We caught quite a few bass fishing for them. Huh. Um, but yeah, and we fished for them all different ways. I mean, we tried flip bobbers, and they wouldn't only hit it when it was laying on the bottom. And, uh, you know, the best thing to work was a drop shot in them with a night crawler. I'll be gone. And, uh, that way it kept you off the bottom a little. Some areas had a lot of, a lot of, Algae and different stuff down there, so you'd get that on your hook and that. But yeah, I've never be the beta choice. I've never drop shotted for 
for shell crackers before, but I will now. <laughs> yeah. That's I think a great a lot of idea. People out there had caught them in the past, basically bass fishing, which yeah. is more popular. And and out there, I mean, that there's only a small percentage of people that fish. Uh, it seems like you know out that part of the country. I mean, there is people that fish, but more people pleasure boat and stuff, and you know aren't like diehard fishermen. You know, they might try a little bit here and there, but. But yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting, and I saw, sure I'll be going back this year and work on figuring them out a little better and see yeah, goals, I guess. Yeah. Well, tell me this before we go down here in Texas. You know, we catch a we catch a nice live well full of those good, you know, fillet sized bluegills or or red ears. It's cornmeal, salt, and pepper, and then drop them in that peanut oil about three hundred and sixty degrees and fry them up. That's how we do it down here. How about in Wisconsin? How do you guys like it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's similar. I mean, you slay them and, you know, you're, you're just a bunch of different breadings of choice and usually put them in egg and then in the breading and then, then in the oil at that point. And uh-huh. so, yeah, it just depends on what you like. You know, you can crisp it up a little. You can put like cornflake crumbs with the batter and that'll put a little crunch into it. So, yep. yeah, that's a good idea. All, all different ways. So. But they're, they're pretty good. I mean, they taste just like a, our bluegill. Oh, yeah, they're very good. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. I I think they're better than walleye. I just love them. I love them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I tell you what, Thomas, one of these days you're going to look up down, out there on Lake Havasu and you're going to see me coming. I'm going to be out there fishing right next to you. Great. <laughs> <Sounds> good. <laughs> Congratulations. New world record. Let me just say it again so everybody gets the full picture here. 6.3 pounds. Is that right? Correct. Wow, a giant red ear sunfish, and he's in the IGFA world record book. Thomas, good fishing to you. Thanks again for the time. All right, thank you. What a fish. A sunfish, six pounds. <laughs> hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee, stretch our legs a few minutes, and then I'll meet you right back here. Kinder Outdoors. Thank God for the freedom, our men and women that defend it, and the Constitution that guarantees it. Welcome to camp with Kinder Outdoors. You're always welcome around our campfire here at Kinder Outdoors. I'm Billy Kinder. Thanks a lot for riding along with us today. This corner of the camp house is brought to you by Purina Pro Plan. Back in 2010, my old bird dog Bear won the North Texas Nastra Championship. He beat a 27-time national champion that day, and he did it on Purina Pro Plan. It was an endurance trial, so after a couple of long, grueling days, Old Bear and I were both pretty doggone tired, and we needed one more bird to win it. Old Bear reached down deep, grabbed that fuel provided by Pro Plan Performance, and pointed that quail in the back center of the field. That earned his championship. Purina Pro Plan. There's a formula perfect for your champ, and it's at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Hey, Florida sportsmen and women, you need to be aware of this. Environmentalists in Florida are pushing for an additional five amendments to the Florida Constitution. 
These potential amendments include, among others, prohibiting the hunting of certain, quote, iconic wildlife species and banning hunting preserves. There's a petition being circulated to add these amendments to the 2022 ballot. They've got to receive 900,000 signatures by February 1st, 2022. The iconic species protection, which would prohibit the hunting of species identified as, quote, iconic, would be punishable as a third-degree felony, and a right of action would be created for citizens to enforce the prohibition against individuals, government agencies, and businesses that intentionally or negligently harm a Florida iconic species. The amendment creates a petition mechanism with a low bar for other species, to be deemed a Florida iconic species. Many of the iconic species listed in this proposed amendment, like the Florida manatee and Florida panther, are already federally or state protected. The Florida black bear is included as an iconic species. It, however, according to Florida fish and game folks, is a species that has the potential to be hunted in the future. Thanks to FWC's conservation work supported by sportsman-generated dollars. The ability to petition for other native species to be added to the Florida iconic species list is particularly troubling and threatens Florida's hunting heritage. The proposed hunting preserve ban amendment also threatens the state's hunting traditions and undermines the FWC's management authority. It would ban hunting in hunting preserves and prohibit the operation of hunting preserves. There go your field trials and your pheasant hunts. Men and women of Florida, keep an eye on this thing. The start of a new hunting season right around the corner. Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is reminding hunters and anglers that, hey, don't go out there and hunt those doves this fall, this September, without getting your new license. They are on sale now in Texas. Texas sells about 2.7 million hunting and fishing licenses annually. The Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation teaches our kids in school how to hunt, fish, and shoot. That takes money. Come shoot in the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation Outdoor Adventures Cup. Four-person teams, $1,400. Individuals, $350. The shoot, September 30th at the Dallas Gun Club. Details at kinderoutdoors.com. Hey, congratulations, Josh Stasner, Vandiver, Alabama. He is the Bassmaster Elite Series Rookie of the Year. It came down to the final event of the season. It was a nail-biter, but he did it on the St. Lawrence River. Congratulations, Josh Stasner. Hey, this is pretty cool, a learning opportunity in the state of Georgia. Hunting Basics at a SHARP program, S-H-A-R-P, Safe Harvest and Responsible Practices. They want to teach you how to hunt dove, deer, small game. Registration is open now. Classes will be held at the Charlie Elliott Wildlife Center, Mansfield, Georgia. And learning how to hunt in Arizona just got a whole lot easier. The Arizona Game and Fish Department webpage will guide newcomers to hunting, Dozens of mentored events available. KinderOutdoors.com. Click on that tab that says hunting regulations for all 50 states. 
and then they're in alphabetical order. Click on Arizona, and you're good to go. They're going to have a big time at a soiree in Wyoming today. I have never been to a soiree. They sold 75 seats for this event today, the Wyoming Dallas Safari Club Summer Soiree. Gets underway at 10 o'clock Mountain Time at the Wyoming Rib and Chop in Casper. There's no better fuel for your dog, your hardworking dog or your lap dog, than Purina ProPlan. And there's a perfect fuel for puppy, juvenile, or senior citizen, active and inactive. Pick up the formula that best suits your dog at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Texas, Kansas, and Missouri. Well, hey, listen, we're going to make a little run to the coffee pot, but when we come back, Mike Iconelli, this guy won a Bassmaster Classic several years ago, and he's still winning trophies, this time fishing from a kayak. We'll talk to him about it. Plus, Jack Scott with the Purina Soil Health and Habitat Program. What's that? A great pheasant recipe from Master Chef John Bonnell, too. Hi, I'm Ken Darcy with Remington. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. At Classic Chevrolet Grapevine, we know all about the early morning memories made in the cab of the truck. Because it's fun to um, be able to uh, do something with my dad and my older brother. So what time did you have to get up this morning to uh, to get all the way down here dressed and fed and ready to go? 4.30. 4.30. Don't you normally get up about 4.30, though? Mm-hmm. No. no way. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's fun, though, when you're coming out to the dove field to get up that early. It's kind of exciting, isn't it? Yes. There you very. go. Did you see your daddy shooting at that dove right then? Yes. Do you see that dove still flying? Uh, probably. <laughs> At Classic Chevrolet in Grapevine, Texas, we know that the cab of the truck is a special place. It's where family heritage is carried down the trail. Important things happen here. Trusted conversations, understanding smiles, life's victories and laughter, sometimes tears. We're honored to ride along with your family. ClassicChevrolet.com. Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com. Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. You know, as bird hunters and bird dog owners, we've seen our wild bird hunting opportunities dwindle in recent years. And if you, like me, don't want to kennel your bird dog in the spring just to let him hibernate till fall, then you should take a long look at the world's largest field trial organization, the National Shoot to Retrieve Association, or 
Nastra. This was the very idea of Nastra's founding fathers back in the 1960s. They wanted to extend time in the field with the dogs that they loved. And it must have been a pretty good idea, because over the years, many thousands of men, women, teens, and families have enjoyed participating in Nastra field trials. All pointing breeds are welcome, and there's no need to be intimidated. Nastra sponsors over 1,000 field trials across the U.S. and Canada each year. It's at these trials where your dog can earn his Nastra championship, qualify for entry into your regional championship, and Nastra's five national championships. Take a look at our website nstra.org and consider visiting a local trial. We look forward to meeting you. Dove hunting in Argentina is well documented, but as my friends at JJ Caseria, Cordoba Doves will tell you, the duck hunting is unmatched anywhere in the world. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative for JJ Caseria. The duck lodge uh, is in Corrientes. We shoot 30 ducks in the morning and 10 perdies in the afternoon. We have 11 different species of ducks. We have a duck season from the 15th of April to the 31st of August. You are assured before you ever leave American soil that you're going to feel welcome and at home when you hunt with your new friends at J.J. Castoria. Our lodge is beautiful. It's four years old. It has 10 double bedrooms, all with private baths, all heated and air conditioned. Uh, it's very comfortable. We don't put on air, so you'll feel as relaxed in the lodge as you do in your living room. Hunt world-class doves and ducks in Argentina. Plan next year now by visiting CordobaDoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. If you boys are taking that old flat bottom out, don't forget these coffee cans. Just like life, you'll need to bail a little water now and then. This is Life in the Camp House at Kinder Outdoors. This corner of the Camp House at Kinder Outdoors is brought to you by the world's greatest dog fuel, Purina Pro Plan. Let's take a little trip to Pitts Grove, New Jersey, and the great Mike Iconelli. Welcome back to the show, Mike. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. It's my pleasure always. And, uh, you know, there are just a handful of people on this planet, very few, that you could put them in a wash tub and push them offshore, and they'd go win a tournament in that wash tub. I think you can win no matter – you could win on water skis, Ike. You're pretty good at this stuff. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I, I tell you this, though. I'm very comfortable, very at home fishing in small boats. Um, it's It's – how I learned how to fish as a kid. You know, when I was young, it was it was canoes. It was little John boats with trolling motors on it. I mean, that's right in my wheelhouse. That's how I learned to fish. That's how I got the passion for fishing. So, you know, when this thing called kayak, pro kayak fishing came around, man, I was I was excited about it because it really is it's my comfort zone. And it's it's a kind of fishing that's a little different than big boat fishing because you're at their level. You're, you're at their level, and, and it's hard to describe it, but, you know, when you hook a four-pounder in a kayak, it's pulling the kayak around. The fish jumps, <laughs> he jumps at eye, he jumps at eye level with you, you know, and, and there's more of a connection with the fish when you're fishing like that. So it's it's been great. It's been awesome. And there have to be some drawbacks, though, like, uh, you know, it would be really hard for you to run down the gunnel back and forth the way I've seen you do before. Uh, but but you're staying upright, and that's good. A lot of people don't realize that uh, Mike has been fishing kayak tour for three years now, and yes. finally, 
finally, finally, you hoisted that trophy a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. Big win on Chesapeake Bay. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it felt really, really good. Uh, you know, the, the kayak tournament, professional kayak tournament thing I've been working at, and it has been a learning process. You know, you, you sort of said kiddingly, you know, you can't run around, but, but there's truth to that, right? Like, I've had to relearn a lot of aspects of fishing from hook sets to rod and reel to landing fish to how you fish an area, right? You have to be a little more thorough in kayak fishing. I can't, I can't start up the outboard and run 30 miles to another spot. I have to maximize fishing areas. So it's been a relearning process. And, you know, the bottom line is it's hard to win tournaments. I don't care what level, what type of tournament, it's hard to win. So it finally felt good to break through, uh, get that off my bucket list, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ready to try to win another one. Well, you know, and I've been thinking personally to myself, you know, Mike has won a classic before. He's won some some giant tournaments in his life. Uh, but I bet you this one ranks pretty close to the top. It was right up there, you know, and, and I've been getting a little bit of heat for, for giving this comparison, you know, and, uh, you know, honestly, it, it felt like an elite win. It felt like an FLW win. It felt like the classic win. You know, that feeling is the same. And, and you know, things have to go right for you to win, not to mention the level of competition. Man, don't get it wrong. Just because this is professional kayak fishing, these guys are good. There's hammers out there just like there are in the elites, just like there are in the BPT. There's the very best locals who know the fishery like the back of their hand. You know, you, you have that same mix of the very best anglers in the world. And, um, yeah, it felt, it felt good to win. And on top of that, as a bonus, I got to win out of my very own kayak. We just launched the Ike-approved Hobie at ICAF in July. And this is the first event I fished out of it, and I won. So that was that was another thing that felt really good. That's a pretty good start. Yeah, why did you partner with Hobie? Because I know you don't just grab the first dollar that comes down the road. You're you're very particular about what you fish with and out of. Yeah, Hobie partnership has been great. And, you know, I, I want to pin this as about a dozen years that I've been kayak fishing. And my first kayak was the very basic run-of-the-mill kayak, uh, purchases from a sporting goods store, a $500 kayak, and there were limitations to that. And a few years later, when I saw that, at ICAST, I started seeing these vessels that were fishing kayaks and, and Hobie making these what they call Pro Angler Series kayaks. They had drives. They had a pedal drive system that dropped into the bottom of the kayak. Now they have a 360 drive. So it's hands-free fishing. You can stay in one spot and spin 360 degrees. This was really the evolution of kayak fishing to me when I saw these Hobies. And it was a very natural partnership, you know. Um, they, they wanted to grow the fishing market. They wanted to reach new people, make fishing more accessible to the average person. And that's, that's exactly what, what our mindset was. And uh, it's been a great partnership. Been with them for over eight years. And now with this Ike-approved Hobie, it's all come full circle. Now I'm actually helping them design kayaks. It's it's pretty amazing. With this uh, then uh, on the Bassmaster Kayak Series, uh, came down in, and happened in Canelli in, uh, fashion with like a minute or two to go. You caught yeah. the fish on the tourney? Yeah. It's it's what a, what a great story. And it's, uh, it, it's pretty much, I think, why – a lot of us fish for those moments, you know, whether it's a tournament or not. 
But this has happened so many times in my career. You know, it's it's sort of getting like a, a broken record. A lot of my big wins or big events over the years came down to the last minute. Uh, Bassmaster Classic for sure, a few other wins over the years. But this one was actually the last minute. And in kayak tournaments, it's CPR, which means catch, photograph, and release. And at 159, I got a bite that, that won the tournament for me. I had a 12-and-a-half-inch fish. I knew I wouldn't win with that. That's not long enough, right? They go by length in kayaks. I had a bite. I set the hook. I swung the fish over. It said 159, like 15 seconds. I had to unhook it, lay it on a measuring board, open my phone, take a picture, submit it, let it get downloaded to the app all by 2 o'clock, and luckily it happened with about three seconds to spare. So, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. But, again, these, these are the moments I live for, you know, those, those, those moments where, you know, it's you against the fish, you're beating the clock, it all comes down to that moment. That's the moment I live for. And, and for it to happen in my first kayak win, man, what a, what a great story. What a great story. Um, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, and you want it um, on a Berkeley creature hog, uh, the Max Scent creature hog. Mike, yeah. uh, since, since the development of that particular bait, no matter what time of year it is, no, no matter yeah. what my my prior my priority uh, is when I step out on the water to throw, I've always got a creature hog rigged up and on the deck, and they work. They just work. They they work, and I and I I'm going to be totally honest with you. When Maxent first launched, I really thought it was going to be a great smallmouth and spotted bass lure because of the scent factor, right? I've had experience with gulp. It's like gulp, but it's better because it doesn't dry out. And I'm like, my mindset was thinking all smallmouth and spotted bass. But as I fished it over the years, I really started to begin to learn that it's a great largemouth tool as well. And that scent factor is something all species of bass use. So for certain techniques, but for sure the one that I was using, which is punching, where this lure is sitting under a mat, and it's almost dangling under a mat, and fish are looking and inspecting it. You know, they see a lot of punch baits. They see a lot of creature beaver-style baits. So when, when, when an area is getting a lot of pressure, fish start to really rely on other senses, not just sight, not just vibration, not just sound but scent as well. And I promise you, it's made a big difference in my fishing in the last few years. It's caught me a few more fish, and ones like that at the last minute, you know, you can't help but, but to think it, it made a big difference, and, I, and it really did, you know? You betcha. Yep, holding another trophy over your head. I'm looking at the picture right here. It happened on uh, Chesapeake Bay, uh, Upper Chesapeake. Uh, again, congratulations, and thanks for the time. It's always a pleasure. Love this from Always great to come on. Thanks uh, thanks again, and I appreciate it. Great talking to you. Hey, everybody. It's Adrian with Harold's Outdoor Haven. We're located in Kingman, Kansas. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Billy, I really think you need this new shotgun.
the granddaddy of all hunting shows, The Hunter's Extravaganza, returns to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. Bring the kids and see Gator Country's huge alligators and last season's bucks in our annual deer contest. Check out the latest in hunting gadgets and gear and enter our locked and loaded mega giveaway to win big. The Hunter's Extravaganza, coming this summer to Houston, Fort Worth, and San Antonio. For details and tickets, go to Hunter'sExtravaganza.com. A Texas Trophy Hunters production. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. If you offer goods or services to the outdoorsman or woman, Kinder Outdoors is the perfect place to spread the word. At Kinder Outdoors, we reach tens of thousands of hunters, anglers, and outdoors folks each week that would appreciate hearing about you. For more information, visit KinderOutdoors.com and click the Advertise button. Then view our media kit and give Audra a call. Outdoor gear and skills are in high demand right now. Let us hear from you. The Quail Coalition, the backbone for the important work and research that brings brighter days for our quails and the people that love them. With 12 chapters throughout Texas, there's ample opportunity for you to join the celebration. The money raised in our chapter banquets goes to various research projects conducted by folks like the Rolling Plains Quail Research Ranch in West Texas. Caesar Kleberg Wildlife Research Institute in South Texas, and all that pursue productive science-based work that sustains and restores wild quail populations. If you've ever followed your trusted bird dog into a setting December sun, or listened from the porch to the summer song of the bobwhite, then you know just how special this bird is. Populations have declined drastically across the U.S., and the last stronghold is Texas. Come and join the Quail Coalition. Attend a banquet. Bid at an auction. Be important to quail. Quailcoalition.org. Do you love crappie fishing like I do? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to invite you and your family to the Crappie Expo in Shreveport, Bossier City, October 1, 2, 3. The Crappie Expo is for crappie fanatics like you. There will be over 100 crappie fishing exhibitors selling today's top crappie fishing products. Red River Shootout, top 100 crappie teams competing for $250,000 in the Mr. Crappie Invitational Tournament. Free, the world's largest crappie fry will be held Saturday, October the 2nd, starting at 11 a.m. Fried crappie, french fried taters, and hush puppies. Mm-hmm. Giving away $10,000 on Saturday and Sunday, must be present to win. Cash is king. Crappie Expo 2021 is brought to you by Ford Trucks. Lose, Strike King, Riceland Rice Bran Oil, Humminbird, The Boat Shop, and Bayou Outdoors Superstore. CrappieExpo.com, CrappieExpo.com. I'm going to lay this out to you as simply as I possibly can because it really is simple. Buy your cold weather wear from Ron and Teresa Miskin at the Buffalo Wool Company and stay warm. Gloves, socks, hats, beanies. I love my neck gaiter all made from the insulating fibers of the American bison. The same fiber or buffalo wool that protects the buffalo against a frigid winter in Montana, Wyoming, or the Dakotas. Buffalo wool is warmer than traditional wool and it's luxuriously soft on your skin, not scratchy or abrasive. It wicks moisture away and is unbelievably tough, lasting year after year. And they back up what they sell with a 100% money-back guarantee if you're not happy. Take a look. TheBuffaloWoolCo.com TheBuffaloWoolCo.com 
Com. It's simple. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. In God we trust. That fishing story you just told? Not so much. Come on, it's camp house time at Kinder Outdoors. And I'm Billy Kinder. Thanks a lot for hanging out at our campfire uh, for a little while today. We greatly appreciate that. You know, the podcast is available anytime, rolling down the road, sitting in the deer blind, on the bow of the boat, wherever, whenever. Check out Kinder Outdoors, the podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, that's where we are. The NRA celebrating 150 years of being is going to have their annual convention in Houston this year at the George R. Brown Convention Center, September 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Labor Day weekend. If you've never been to an NRA convention and expo, go. you got to go. It is a celebration of patriotism like, well, you just can't get it on television or the Internet much anymore. Admission is free for all NRA members and their families. 10,000 firearms all under one roof, 650,000 square feet of exhibit space, top political leaders like Texas Governor Greg Abbott. Let's uh, hope and pray that he is fully recovered from COVID by then, that he'll be there. Senator John Cornyn will be there, Senator Ted Cruz, Wayne LaPierre, many, many, many more. In Houston, September 3, 4, and 5, the NRA Annual Meetings and Convention. Hey, I want you to meet a fellow named Jack Scott. Jack is with Purina and the Purina Soil Health and Habitat Program. Welcome to the show, Jack. Good to have you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm glad. I'm happy to be here. You know, I saw something the other day that grabbed my attention because I've been a Purina Pro Plan guy forever since Jack when Pro Plan became ProPlan. I was in on that first lot of food that came out, I promise you. And I haven't gone anywhere since. That's been a long time now. And one of the things that I'm proudest of outside of the fact that that ProPlan is is a great fuel for my dog is the fact that you give back. You guys give back. And uh, and the, the programs and conservation efforts that and, – and dog health, canine health efforts that are important to me – uh, you guys are always there pushing, working behind the scenes and making it work. And that's no different this time around with the Soil Health and Habitat Program. I have to tell you, I raised an eyebrow at this one, Jack, because I thought, what is 
soil health and habitat got to do with my dog? Maybe you can explain and help us out. I'm, I'm happy to do so, and thank you so much for being a loyal ProPlan user. We, we, have, we have a lot of loyal ProPlan users this year, in particular has been very, very successful for us in that regards. And the Soil Health and Habitat program that we have with Pheasants Forever is one that is really about helping to improve these ecosystems from which our ingredients come from because we know that these healthy lands that produce healthy agricultural products can produce healthy pet foods, right, when we use them to formulate. Um, so just to let you know a little bit about, like, our commitment to this, we have been committed to making high-quality pet care products in a sustainable way for years. And to your point, a lot of what we've done when it comes to working directly with agriculture and farmers and, and our, our work in conservation and stewardship doesn't get a lot of recognition, but it's there. It's, it's, it's always present, and uh, we do a lot in this particular space. You know, I'm looking at the, a map of this soil health and habitat program, yeah. uh, and you mentioned pheasants forever. Well, this is right up, right up the, the pheasant alley. Uh, you're talking about Iowa, a good portion of Iowa, Minnesota, North mm-hmm. Dakota, and uh, South Dakota. In the, in the pheasant stronghold. As a matter of fact, I'm, I can almost see a couple of the ranches that I hunt pheasants on in South Dakota right now as I look at this, uh, look at this map. Uh, so it's a concentrated effort uh, that is going to do what? Uh, hands-on in the field, what's going to take place? Yeah, so um, we chose this area because it is, it is very much in um, the heart of where we source a lot of our ingredients. And what's going to take place is pheasants is um, they're working directly with uh, individual growers, and they're they're working with the growers and they're bringing with them a tool to basically look at their lands, understand what the farmers can do to better manage maybe their soil health, right? Take a look at what they can do as it relates to improving their profitability at the same time. And sometimes what ends up happening is that. Ways in which you can improve your profitability might be taking some land out of production, right? You can still do other things to, at the same time, improve your soil health, but those lands that then come out of production, convert those over to a habitat, something where, um, you know, Pheasants Forever and, and a, lot of other, a lot of us, you know, we want to improve and, and make those sort of uh, spaces like critical nesting cover in that um, prairie region for uh, the wildlife. If you are uh, listening to the show today, you're hearing what Jack has to say about soil health and habitat program, and you're in the prairie pothole region, um, and you, you're thinking, you know, I might want to enroll my land in this, come see me at kinderoutdoors.com, and uh, we're going to have the links that you need there to, uh, to get signed up, do something healthy for the land and, and good for all of us, and uh, at the same time, you might make a buck or two. There are incentives uh, when, you, when you sign up uh, for this program. Uh, so have you been uh, having to uh, to stay indoors and can't go out and, and function because of COVID, or have you been able to get out and recreate uh, a little bit, <laughs> Jack, this fall? So I've been able to get out myself. My, my, my kids and I were actually big sailors, right? And so um, we go out to a lake called Lake Carlisle in, in central Illinois, and we were out there a lot this summer. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to get out to as many farm fields and, and engage as much with the farming family and the shooting community as much as we'd like to this year. But we're certainly looking to a much 
um, a much brighter 2021 and looking forward to getting back out there. Absolutely. I, I just look at it this way, Jack. In 2021, we're going to have to recreate double to make up lost time. That's, Absolutely. That's it's going to be a good thing. Hey, if folks want to learn more about the Soil Health and Habitat Program from a Purina perspective and how you guys are involved, is there a place online where they can take a look? Yeah, absolutely. You can um, go to the Pheasants Forever website. There is a link there that they can go ahead, not only learn more about the program, they can look and learn about how they can actually sign up. There's also a video that um, we created with Pheasants Forever to talk a little bit about the program. Uh, it features one of our key supporters uh, who's a farmer in that region named Nate Anderson and it's a great video. You should check it out. It's a few minutes long, but I think it really demonstrates that balance that we're trying to hit when it comes to uh, soil health and wildlife habitat, which is what this program is called. Jack Scott with Purina. Thank you so much, uh, not only for the time today, but uh, also, again, for all that you guys do at Purina. Thank you so much. Hey, we've got a little time before we make a run to the coffee pot. How about a good pheasant recipe? From Master Chef John Bonnell, you're going to like this. Brother, I can help you with that. Pheasant is one of my favorites. Tell you what I do. First, I start by breasting out the pheasant, cut them into some reasonably thick uh, kind of strips. Then I soak the meat in buttermilk with a few shots of hot sauce, dredge it in flour, and fry them quickly. Everybody loves a good fried pheasant strip. I can promise you. Oh, wow. That sounds really good. I've never done that. They make great soups, all kinds of things you can do with a pheasant. You bet. I love using the smoker as well. It's one of my go-tos for birds that are lean like that. And what we'll do is always brine your pheasants first. Look up any good turkey brine recipe, and it'll work. When you brine a bird, you're adding moisture to it before you even get started, and that's a great thing. In the smoker, low and slow is a beautiful way to go, especially with the legs. They're going to take a while. You can't just put the, the legs in the oven and expect them to come out nice. You betcha. If folks want to uh, uh, learn more about you and your restaurants and, uh, and your recipes, you've got some great wild game recipes in your books that you offer, uh, where can they go to get more information? You bet. The Bonnells Restaurant Group website is the best place to go. Bonnells Restaurant Group, we give away all recipes. If you just want one, email me. I'll send it to you. If you want a book, I'm more than happy to sell you and sell you books and autograph them for you. The Bonnells Restaurant Group dot com. This is Wayne LaPierre, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Hey, I want to let you know about something that's brand new and coming to South Dakota this fall, the Dead Rabbit Lodge. <laughs> you see, the owner received his higher learning from the University of South Dakota, the Coyotes. The dreaded enemy of the University of South Dakota Coyotes is the South Dakota State University Jackrabbits, therefore the name, the Dead Rabbit. The Dead Rabbit Lodge sits on the eastern bluffs of Big Blue Lake Owyhee. The view from your giant Western Canada Red Cedar Lodging stretches from the dam to the south almost all the way up to North Dakota. The Big Lodge is finest splendor from top to bottom, perfect for big family or corporate groups. But the Dead Rabbit will also feature separate hotel-style rooms, a great game room and bar for entertaining, guest-only dining featuring the Rabbit's award-winning chef, oh, and about 40,000 acres of the finest pheasant hunting 
in the world. You won't forget the dead rabbit. It's time to get doves and ducks on your mind. And hey, deer season is just around the corner. Ramp it up this year with help from Marksman Firearms in Mansfield, Killeen, Wichita Falls, and Granbury. Rifles, pistols, shotguns, ammo, and accessories. Marksman makes it easy, too, with same-as-cash 90-day layaway. Military and first responders enjoy a 10% discount. New to shooting? No problem. Marksman Firearms has knowledgeable pros that love to help. Make your mark at Marksman. MarksmanFirearms.com. I'm Tom Watson with Bended Knee International, asking you to pray for the Navajo people of New Mexico and Arizona. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit these native people exceptionally hard. In many cases, multiple families live in the same home. Water is carried from muddy streams for household use, and medical care is many miles away. I simply ask that you join me in lifting them up to the Lord. To learn more, please visit BendedKnee.org. From the deck of your private cabin overlooking the confluence of the famous White and Norfolk Rivers at Norfolk Resort Trout Dock, you can see crystal clear running waters that hold one of the world's greatest populations of rainbow and brown trout. In fact, this is the home of world record trout. You might be distracted, though, by the beautiful rolling Ozark Mountains that hold you during your stay. Just up the road a few miles is incredible bass fishing for largemouth, smallmouth, and spots. You'll find the best guides in the business at Norfolk Resort, and your boat is just a short walk from your cabin. Your guide will find a gravel shoal perfect for preparing a hot shore lunch with fresh-caught trout and all the trimmings. You'll think about a nap after lunch, but there's more fish to catch and river to explore before retiring to your fully furnished riverside hideaway. Sound good? Of course it does. Norfolk Resort Trout Dock in Norfolk, Arkansas. NorfolkResort.com You'll know Toby Meadows when you run into him on the lot. They're at Classic Chevrolet and Grapevine. Because on his name tag is a big green bass. <laughs> He's earned the right to wear that big fish around. He's caught three over ten pounds. Yes, sir. Three times. Uh, twice on Lake Fork and once on Lake Conroe. This lifelong passion for Toby started in the cab of that old Chevy truck. Headed for the fishing hole. A long time ago. I had an uncle, Uncle Jim, got me started. And it was just a little cork popper with little black and yellow feathers. Looked like a bumblebee, and that started it all. Three ten-pounders and 19 years with the classic grapevine family. And Toby is still going down the road in that Chevy truck. These days, though, it's a little newer, a little less bumpy, and a whole lot more powerful. Yes, it is. I like it, too, especially that diesel. Got that half-ton diesel. It's good. Nice truck. Lifelong memories await your bunch in the cab of the truck. Get started at ClassicChevrolet.com. The coffee's always on, and the conservation is always good. Make sure you bring a youngin' or two. Together, let's teach them what heritage and tradition looks like. This is the Big Billy Kender Outdoors Camp House. Hey, in case you missed it last hour, a pretty entertaining conversation with Thomas Farcioni up in Wisconsin. He caught a six-pound, the new world record, red ear sunfish this spring. Thomas Farcioni, did I say your name right, Thomas? Yeah, Farcioni, yep. Okay, well, hey, welcome to the show. It's sure good to have you. Thank you. 
tell you what, I'm sitting here looking at your picture with that giant Lake Havasu shellcracker, and it's just amazing. I've been looking at this picture for months, Thomas, and, and it just amazes me every time I look at it. It's a jaw dropper, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it sure was, yeah. Very lucky and fortunate to catch that, yeah. Yeah, new world record. Congratulations, certified as the new uh, world record for a red ear. Thank you. Now, you live in Wisconsin, right? Correct. So do you do the ice a lot up there? You you fish a lot? Uh, yeah, not yeah. I ice fish and, and summer fish, mostly bass tournaments in the summer. And so why were you at Lake Havasu? Was that vacation, or were you there fishing well, a tournament? Well, we went to uh, actually I went there for a month to fish those fish. Um two or three years ago six of us went for a half a day out there and and fished uh and we caught a few, not a lot, and our guide had a few issues, uh blew up his boat and and uh so he had to borrow a boat and there was some activities going on in the lake so the lake was really rough and we just thought, you know, that if we if somebody could ever bring a boat out here, we could target these things a little better and fish them a little better. So, so that's that's what I did. I loaded up my boat and last April after Easter and headed out there. And some of my friends came out during my stay there, and and we we just went fishing for those. And I guess I had a goal to catch a couple four-pounders that I thought that, boy, that would be a cool mount, you know, and then I was lucky enough to catch that one, so that one was also will be a real cool mount. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, a, that's a pretty cool mount, a world record, six pounds, 6.3. Oh, my word. So so you drove from Wisconsin to Lake Havasu, uh, Havasu City, Arizona, Specifically to fish for these big red ear sunfish or shell crackers, a lot of people call yep, them. Yep. Wow, that is phenomenal. Uh, that's been on my bucket list, Thomas, ever since Hector Brito caught that five eight uh, back in I guess twenty fourteen. That thing was big as a dish pan, and uh, I called and talked to him about that, and I thought, you know what, I don't, I don't think anyone's ever going to break that record. And then here comes Thomas Farcioni with a six pound shell cracker. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, why are, us, they, uh, why are they so big, John or Thomas? Why do they get so big out there? You know, they uh, they eat uh, muscle out there that I found out. Now, trying to figure them out, I'm still in the middle of that. But uh, the, they eat quagga mussels. It's called up by us. Uh, we have a mussel here too. It's called a zebra mussel. I don't know down by you if you have any. Yeah, any yeah, we've got zebras. And we're, we're familiar with zebras and quaggas both. Yeah. Oh yeah, so that. They, uh, that's what they eat, and, and there's a lot of them, I guess, and, uh, and, uh, they eat a lot of them, and that's why they get so big. You're catching them off of, uh, shell beds? You know, I don't know if there were shell beds there. You know, the, the guide told us that they spawn between the middle of April. The first group will come in, and then the second group will be first of May until the middle of May, but the, yeah, last year the water was cold. They had a lot of cold nights, I guess, so, it, it needs to be like 75, I guess, before they actually come to spawn. But, I mean, the f- closest thing by us is called the bluegill, and and I kind of related them to them because they look exactly like them. And, but they're little – the way they do things is a little different than, than bluegill, so I'm still trying to figure out the 
you know, what, what, uh, when they spawn and where they're at before they spawn and, and everything. But, uh, the taxidermist had told me that in the back of their jaw, they have a couple rocks that basically crush the shells and then they eat the inside of the, the muscle. Wow. And every day, you know, the live well would be full of clog of muscles or shells, I should say. No uh, kidding, where they're spitting them up. Yeah, spitting them up. And nice. I, I think they were ones they took the insides out of, yeah. Gee whiz. So how how were you fishing for these things? Uh, you just, uh, how deep was your water? What were you using for bait? How heavy was your tackle? I mean, you kind of have to get ready for a six-pound red ear sunfish. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we had, they were all deep yet, you know, and we never caught a lot in one area, which, which was kind of surprising. Um, and some days you'd catch them off a, you know, it's like sagebrush down in the water and stuff. I mean, they'd be on that and then, then next five days you wouldn't catch any on it, you know, so it's, so I'm still in the learning mode for those things, but, it was 20, 20 plus feet to catch them, and wow. pretty much just used a spinning rod. And I had braided line with a 10, uh, 10 pound leader on, or six pound leader on it. Six pounds, four ounces, and we're going to put uh, the picture of Thomas and his giant world record red ear sunfish up on uh, kinderoutdoors.com, so you guys can all go marvel at this. I'm I'm sure everyone in the fishing world's already seen it, but it's worth a look. Every day I look at your fish and, and just think about, dream about my trip to Lake Havasu. I don't know when it's going to be, Thomas, but I'm going. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I didn't even, I had all my bass gear and stuff too, and, and they were doing good with those, but I was so intrigued with the, these fish that I pretty much didn't bass fish at all. We caught quite a few bass fishing for them, huh. um, but. Yeah, and we fished for them all different ways. I mean, we tried flip bobbers, and they wouldn't only hit it when it was laying on the bottom. And, uh, you know, the best thing to work was a drop shot in them with a night crawler. I'll be gone. And, uh, that way it kept you off the bottom a little. Some areas had a lot of a lot of algae and different stuff down there, so you'd get that on your hook and that. But yeah, that never be the, be the bait of choice. I've never drop shotted for for shell crackers before, but I will now. <laughs> yeah. That's I think a great a lot idea. Of people out there had caught them in the past, basically bass fishing, which yeah. is more popular. And and out there, I mean, that there's only a small percentage of people that fish. Uh, it seems like you know, out that part of the country. I mean, there is people that fish, but more people pleasure boat and stuff, and you know, aren't like diehard fishermen. You know, they might try a little bit here and there, but. But yeah, it was uh, pretty interesting, and I saw. Sure, I'll be going back this year and work on figuring them out a little better. And yeah, goals, I guess. yeah. Well, tell me this before we go down here in Texas. You know, we catch a we catch a nice live well full of those good, you know, fillet sized bluegills or or red ears. It's cornmeal, salt, and pepper, and then drop them in that peanut oil about three hundred and sixty degrees and fry them up. That's how we do it down here. How about in Wisconsin? How do you guys like it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's similar. I mean, you slay them and, you know, you're, you're just a bunch of different breadings of choice and usually put them in egg and then in the breading and then, then in the oil at that point. And uh-huh. so, yeah, it just depends on what you like. You know, you can crisp it up a little. You can put like cornflake crumbs with the batter and that'll put a little crunch into it. So, yep. yeah, that's a good idea. 
all different ways. So, but they're they're pretty good. I mean, they taste just like a, our bluegill. Oh, yeah, they're very good. Yeah, yeah, they're very bigger. good. I I think they're better than walleye. I just love them. I love them. Yeah. Well, yeah. I tell you what, Thomas. One of these days, you're going to look up down, out there on Lake Havasu, and you're going to see me coming. I'm going to be out there fishing right next to you. Great. Good. (laughs) Congratulations. New world record. Let me just say it again so everybody gets the full picture here. 6.3 pounds. Is that right? Correct. Wow. A giant red ear sunfish, and he's in the IGFA world record book. Thomas, good fishing to you. Thanks again for the time. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Can you imagine? Hey, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the time we've had together in this old camp house this time around and every time and want to invite you back next time till then may god bless you and your bunch